Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Sweep L.A. Sweep L.A. Come on. Say it with me. Just roll down your window wherever you are right now. On the 10, the 51, I don't care. Sweep L.A. Sweep L.A. Sweep L.A. Sweep L.A. Sweep L.A. Hey, Atlanta, Philadelphia, keep dragging yourselves on. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that beat the Dodgers that drops on your phone every week weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. I hope I'm not waking up my neighbors. (laughs) It is right now. This is old school. Doug Franz Unplugged. Old school. Now, I don't know if you can be old school in only two years, but for all of 2021, um, no, I was employed in 21. Never mind, I had a job. For all of 2022, I was doing the show in the middle of the night. And it's now 1.18 Eastern time. I am sitting here in Cleveland, Ohio, doing the podcast, but I just had so much on my mind and I wanted to talk to you and I was going to, I was going to skip doing the show today because of my travels. And then, then everything came together in such a beautiful way that I had to, I had to talk to you. So I have my podcasting stuff here. So I'm talking at a small little desk facing a picture of a leaf. (laughs) One of those photography things where somebody says, this is beautiful art. They buy it. And now it's hotel art. So I have a leaf in in front of me on a, on a photograph and uh, we'll see if security calls because I told the guy downstairs, Hey, is anybody staying near room 418? And he goes, no one's in 420. Oh, but someone is in 416, but they'll be asleep. (laughs) That's what he said. I said, okay. I said, well, go ahead and call me if somebody calls down to complain about the noises coming out of 418. So, um, I can't speak at the normal, I already did start yelling to say hello, but I can't speak at the normal, uh, volume. And hopefully you can still feel my energy without my volume of matching that energy because I'm just so jacked up, but I miss some of it. You're not going to believe my evening. I'll tell you all about it in just a second. Well, first of all, please notice this. No four minute offense today because um, I don't have time to put all the sound together. And my, I need to leave for the airport here shortly. My flight leaves at eight o'clock Eastern. So if you're new to Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, or maybe you uh, don't know what's going on, uh, this is a little different format. Usually, it's a heavily produced podcast. Unlike a lot of podcasts that you might listen to, I really put a lot of time into the the production when I'm just doing audio, but. Um, it turned into a television podcast in which I do a show, a weekday show on a website called WTSMTV.com. I'm on from six to eight every morning. That's a really cool station. We're the only station in the city of Phoenix that has six hours of local sports programming every single weekday morning. 
So that's really cool. Well, I'm on from six to eight. And then a man from 1580, the fanatic who had a a long running talk show there, Steve McCollum came over and joined us. So he's on from 10 to uh, from uh, eight to 10. And then from 10 to noon, Isaiah Izzy Jackson is on, who is just one of the hardest working young men in the business. I really believe in this kid. So please give him the biggest opportunities you can to listen to, uh, to his show. Well, I, it was, it was just on my heart. I had to do it. And I came out to join Ron Wolfley for the viewing for his little brother, Dale. So I'll get into that story in a little bit, uh, a little bit later, um, because I, I want to build this up first on the thrill of the Diamondbacks before I give you the glorious sadness, the beautiful pain that, that, that I went through today uh, and, and talk about that. I will get to that because so many of you deserve that. But when I find when I left, I was there from about five o'clock until uh, nine o'clock and nine o'clock, nine oh seven Eastern time is when the Diamondbacks Dodgers game started. So I finally left at about nine ten, and I went to a Orchard Park sports bar. And I can't even remember the name of it. I, I, I don't Maybe I wasn't even in Orchard Park. I don't know. But I was at some place. And as soon as I walked in at about 920, there's one, there's like, a, a, there was a couple sitting at a table. And it, I walked up to the bar and the guy says, you know, we're closing soon. And I said, well, I'm here to watch the Diamondbacks game. And, I, and he goes, well, we're closing soon. And I said, one beer. Can I have a beer? Yes. Okay. So I got one beer sitting at a bar that's closing at 10, but doesn't really want to stay open or, uh, until 10. Like he wanted to go home. So guess what I saw? The first two innings of the game. I, I, I was a little late for the top of the first, but I saw most of the first inning and I saw all of the second inning. And then the guy was saying, basically, we're done here. I mean, I would have had to get in a fight, I think, to stay for the third inning. So I left after only one beer and you know what happened in the third inning and I didn't see it. Oh my goodness. So my interpretation of the first two innings is I was just thrilled beyond belief because I thought the Diamondbacks would lose game three because of Brandon fought and I didn't think he'd pitch well. And what's really dumb about that opinion is did you get a chance to listen to what I said after the Brewers series? I said he pitched terribly in the first inning, but then settled down. And even though the start itself wasn't good enough for us as fans and media, and even maybe from an organizational standpoint, that's not good enough. You don't want to ever say it's okay to get shelled in the first inning and expect everybody to chase you and your team to chase that lead and bail you out. That's not acceptable. But what did he learn from it? By being able to settle down and make out strike guys out. Remember, he struck out the side. I think it was in the second inning against the Brewers. I might be wrong, and it was the third. I don't have any notes today, so I just want you to know that ahead of time. But maybe it was that outing that even though for us it's not good enough, for him it was, wait, I can pitch postseason baseball. Because somebody his age is a rookie. He's not an idiot. He knows what's happened this year. The ridiculous decision to bring in Madison Bumgarner to start the season, keeping Zach Davies as long as they did. 
those things mounted up and all of a sudden you end up with this rookie, Brandon Fought, as the third best pitcher in the organization. And even he is probably looking at it thinking, you know, I'm just kind of here by default but I haven't proven myself and he's pitched so poorly in so many outings, but he had to draw on the fact that, wait a minute, he's a great minor league pitcher. And that should mean you can get major league hitters out. You just got to learn. Can't be so fastball reliant. Go from pitcher or excuse me, go from thrower to pitcher. And I'm not going to say he did that in a week. But I want to say it because in a sense, that's what happened. He he changed in the last couple innings of that Brewer start. And I bet it felt very good. And I think he learned so much of from that, that now you apply it to this game and look how well he came out. So anyway, I get in the car and um, I don't know if you know the way the MLB contracts work. So for those of you that know about the old show and the old station, the old station has the right to broadcast the games on their app only when you're in a market that is a market of Arizona of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I believe the Diamondbacks market, if I'm not mistaken, is Arizona and New Mexico. Colorado is, of course, the Rockies, and I don't think they get a piece of Utah. I don't know. I don't think the Diamondbacks get Utah. I, I, I would have to ask to know that for sure. And then obviously they don't get California at all. So if you are in Arizona or New Mexico, you can listen to the games on the app because you're in the Diamondbacks market. If you're somewhere else, you can't because that becomes the property of X of Sirius XM. They have the rights to radio broadcasts of every team that aren't in the home, the, the, the designated home area of the market. So I couldn't listen to it on the app. And then I'm in a rental that only has Sirius XM as a, as a one station channel that if you want to pay for it, you can have it. So I was crushed. I couldn't get it. So I get in the car and I load up, I, I start driving and then I put it on ESPN.com. Don't worry, those of you that are worried about texting and driver, driving, it's two buttons. And I, uh, I I have the game on GameCast, and I look down, and it's one nothing. So basically, from the walk of getting away from Bruce the bartender, I made that up, I don't remember his name, um, and getting in the car, starting the car, loading up maps to figure out how to get from Orchard Park, New York, to my hotel in Cleveland, and getting on the road, and, and then I waited till I got on the interstate before I messed with ESPN.com. In that time, it's one nothing. It's like, oh, and then I, I look over, uh, I drive for a little bit longer and I look over and it's two nothing. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. So then I uh, quickly scrolled the phone up to see what had happened. And then there it says Marte home run. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. And of course, you know, the rest of the story. I drive about another mile, two miles, something like that, three nothing. And then I did not see the craziness of the fourth home run. Cause I, when you're looking at just an app and trying to figure out what's going on, it's like, wait a minute. Okay. It's, it's now four, nothing Moreno hit a home run. Wait, no Moreno didn't hit a home run. Wait, how does it become three, nothing? And you're driving. Like, yeah, what do you do? It's, it's three, nothing. It's four, nothing. And then it's three, nothing again. 
And then it's more nothing again. What am I supposed to believe? And I couldn't follow it until I hit bad construction in Pennsylvania and we were stopped for a second. So then I looked over and I, I saw about the replay review and, and having the home run taken away and then very next pitch. What I didn't know driving until I got back to the hotel and, uh, and, and was able to sit down, watch a bunch of the game, watch highlights. I watched the third inning then and things like that. Um, I was able to see the rarity of all rarities to be able to hit the right field quote unquote home run. That was a foul ball and then turn around and go to left, go yard to left center. Moreno, listen, that, that Mike Hazen trade um, wow. When you see how the Diamondbacks were kind of a rudderless ship at times of 2017 and the trade for J.D. Martinez was so enormous and just such an uplifting moment for this team. That was huge. And it's hard to, to argue whether that's, you know, not the greatest move Mike Hazen made as general manager since he's been here. But... Uh, I, it's easy to say the greatest move he's made as general manager is the is the contract for Cor, uh, Corbin Carroll. Who would have thought you gave a rookie before he's ever swung a bat in the major leagues a one hundred million dollar ten year contract, and it's and it's a bargain. <laughs> How dumb is that to say? Hey, rookie, here's a hundred million. Oh man, we saved a lot of money, but they did. So I think that's move number one. But move number two, I can't get over that trade. And I hope you remember in spring training when I was saying how incredible that trade was because I never guessed Dalton Varsho would do so poorly for Toronto. So I can't say I was right because Varsho's done very poorly and that's what makes the trade great. I love the trade expecting Varsho to be okay. I thought he was over his skis while he was here. And I mean, I shouldn't say over skis because we normally say that as if, you know, you're, you're, um, not very good. And then it's the pressure or it's other factors that you can't handle. I mean, I thought he was over-evaluated. I thought he just had a good year. He's a wonderful human being, but I, I didn't think that was the real him. And I thought a lot, the scouting reports, a lot of pitchers are going to catch up with him. And I thought he would do, do less than what he was doing. I'm still wrong. Cause I never thought he would do as poorly as he did in 2023. And maybe he'll be good next year and he'll bounce right back. But he did not perform to expectations. My opinion was he wasn't as good as the rest of the league thought. And I loved Corbin Carroll knew a lot about him, even though he hadn't been up yet. I loved uh, Jake McCarthy. I'm still shocked Jake McCarthy hasn't had a great year. And I, I was okay with Alec Thomas. I, I didn't think he was great, um, but I was okay with it. The trade to be able to bring in Lourdes Gurriel, who at times in May and June helped carry the offense, and then get a young catcher in Gabby Moreno. That that trade, I, I really think it's going to go down in Diamondbacks history as one of the greats. Um, obviously, if we're going to argue the greatest trade of all, because remember, I was just talking about Mike Hazen. I think the greatest trade in Diamondbacks history is going to be Kurt Schilling, unless maybe Gabby Moreno hits for the cycle in every postseason game, and then we will have a different argument. But I would say Schilling is the greatest trade in the history of the Diamondbacks. But this, this Gabby Moreno trade, I'm telling you, it's huge. It is so huge of his spirit, his attitude, 
his happiness with the game, his leadership at the catching position, and his amazing work ethic to be this much, to be so much better of a defensive catcher in such a short time, and then to have the incredible athletic feat to, in a sense, go yard twice in the same inning in opposite directions, one down the right field line, one to left center, and then to do it in the dramatic fashion of the next pitch. I mean, give the, I hate to ever say this, give the Dodgers credit that they even were down 4-2 because that was such a nail in the coffin. Like, it was flabbergasting to be up 2-0. 3-0, you know, okay, this thing is screwed up. And, uh, but there's still not enough time to get Lance Lynn out of the game. You might say that's ridiculous, but think about it. He's cruising along in the first two innings. Then in the third inning, he gives up the homer to Perdomo. And you're like, okay, that was just stupid. You don't give a home run to a guy that's struggling that bad. The nine hitter, blah, blah, blah. Then when Marte goes yard, you got to start getting worried in an elimination game. And then you make the phone call and you say, Hey, get somebody up stretching. So they're just kind of stretching. And boom, Walker goes yard. Now you're like, okay, okay, hey, let's pick this up. Now we're gonna we're gonna have to make a change. Tell me when he's ready. But you can't stop the game. So I bet you you've made the decision to take out Lance Lynn after the Christian Walker at bat. But you can't execute that change yet because you probably just called down to to say, hey, let's get somebody up. And when you say let's get somebody up, and it's still not a panic pressure situation. You're down to nothing. No big deal. The guy is going to get up knowing he might go in, he might not go in. Suddenly it's 3 nothing. Now you're in a hurry. Boom, it's 4 nothing. You take him out. So even though I, don't, I think Dave Roberts is a great regular season manager, and I think he's a disaster in the postseason, I can't fault him for the Lance Lynn thing. You can only fault Lance Lynn for just not being a good pitcher this year. But for Gabby to do that, you felt the euphoria as a fan, but it was a bat sledgehammer to the nail in the coffin because the deliberate, it's just a debilitating feeling as a Dodger in that moment when you know you have no chance right now and you're going to have to battle like crazy. And who thought that would be the only runs <laughs> the Diamondbacks would get some, Hey, Diamondbacks had four hits in the third inning and that's all their runs. Well, what'd they do? They hit four home runs. Oh, okay. It is. I, I told the story, I think earlier this week, 1903 first world series 1904 1994 two years that a world series was not played even through world war one world war two vietnam korea the gulf war the war on terror what's going on right now with the ukraine and israel and palestine we've had a world series every time except for two years it's the first time in postseason history any franchise hit four home runs in an inning that shocked me. I can't believe that's never been done in the history of the game. Four home runs, one team, one inning in the postseason. That's You would think that's normal, but the postseason, it's such a scary time that, boom, somebody starts giving up a couple home runs, you're making moves. And the Diamondbacks were able to do that. And, uh, and that, I'm just, I'm elated as a fan. I'm just so elated. And for those of you that went to that game, Man, congratulations for the memories that you built for your family for a lifetime. And those of you that watch the game with your families, your kids will never forget. Find a way to get to an NLCS game if you can. It's going to be unbelievably expensive. 
And I, and I don't fault the Diamondbacks for that. I don't. Number one, you might not know this, playoff money goes to MLB. Those are MLB games that just happen to be in your park. Of course, the Diamondbacks get a significant cut of that. But a lot of that money goes to MLB. At the same time, think about how many times this year there were 11,000 fans, 12,000 fans, 18,000 tops at, at some games this year. And therefore, it's deserved to kind of make up for that on where we are. So I get it. I get it. But I'm, I'm accepting that it's going to be expensive. But at the same time, I'm telling you, life-changing memories are life-changing memories. If you're in a position where you can do it, go do it. If you're in a position where you have to make a sacrifice somewhere else and that sacrifice might hurt, uh, I would suggest that you do it. I would suggest that you do it. And if you know, Doug, I am in no, okay. Hey, God bless you. Keep fighting as a member of the Unplugged Army, and let's figure out a way that maybe all of us in the Army can help you move up the ladder so the next time one of these memorable opportunities comes up, you will be able to do it, okay? Don't don't set the bar low. Go after it. You can do that. You can make it. As, as, as tough as it seems now, you can make it, okay? Don't give up on yourself. So... Uh, Diamondbacks then get the win. Seawald is able to get the close. And now what's so cool is now you're rooting for now a Braves win because you'd like to see that series go five games and head back to Atlanta. If Philly wins, that kind of stinks. It ends in four games, only one extra game. But if you can get an Atlanta win tonight, now of all things, the worst team in the uh um, in the baseball hierarchy right now, playoff wise, obviously the worst team, you know, is teams like the Rockies and things like that. But I mean, the sixth seed and actually the Diamondbacks were worse than Seattle. So technically the Diamondbacks are the 13th best team in baseball. There's 30 teams. They're really an average team, but they're playing great baseball right now. And Kelly and Zach Allen have been outstanding. So suddenly you're sitting here and it's the NLCS and they would be the team that gets to set their lineup and their starting rotation. If this if it goes five games in the other NLDS, the Diamondbacks only have to sit on the tarmac and figure out, am I flying to Atlanta or Philly? Either way, the Diamondbacks have to travel Atlanta or Philly. I don't care who wins as long as it goes five games. I think Atlanta's unbelievably talented, but I think the Philadelphia fan base and their championship pedigree, both teams have a championship pedigree, that I'm, I'm very, very nervous about either of those series, but I'm not putting anything past this team ever again. I shouldn't say ever again right now this year because of what they've been able to do in the postseason. Why can't they do it again? Why can't they do it again? Of course they can. So that's I'm, I'm jacked up about. Now there was one really interesting comment made by Mookie Betts and coming up in just a second, I'm going to tell you about that. And I want to have a great conversation about that. And I want to tell you about my night with my good friend, Ron Wolfley. I've still got a lot more to talk to you about here on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off. 
plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. so funny just sitting here again 1 40 in the morning i know i'm getting up in a couple hours to uh, get to the airport cleveland it's just ridiculous i i swear i said i know i said this yesterday but it's like you have to rent a car to drive to the car rental place it's so far away it's just crazy how far that place is from the airport how long that shuttle ride is so that's the only reason why i have to go i'm i'm literally five minutes from the airport at this uh la quinta hotel that i'm in yeah five minutes away from the airport that's it and yet i'm gonna get there kind of early because of this ridiculous uh uh car rental that i i don't i don't know how long the whole process is gonna take so something really interested me and that was a question asked to mookie betts and it was phrased very very well and it was baltimore 100 game winner swept Dodgers 100 game winner swept Braves are on the brink of elimination down to one and could be out in four games is what do you have to say about the baseball format is it flawed is the postseason format flawed and Mookie just said no comment how do you take that I take it like this. He's smart enough to know anything he says will be labeled as an excuse and not accepting the beatdown from the Diamondbacks. And he totally believes the system is flawed. If you remove your Diamondback fandom for just a second, it brings up a great question. Why are three 100-loss teams going to be out in three games or four games? I, I totally believe baseball is a game that needs to be played every day with an occasional off day. And if you're a hardcore Diamondbacks fan, you'll remember this in, uh, I think it was 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong and it was 2011. I'd have to look it up. Sorry, I don't have notes right in front of me. Maybe it was 2011 when the Diamondbacks clinched the division and the Rockies had to play one more game. And it was against the Diamondbacks to try to get into the playoffs. 
And the Diamondbacks rested everybody when they could have actually eliminated the Rockies from the playoffs. But they said, you know what? Hey, we got to worry about us. We're going to rest everybody and, and we'll move on later. And the Diamondbacks, I think it was 2007, because they won three games against the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong in 2011. I'm sorry. It's all running together. But then they played the Rockies in the NLCS, the team they could have eliminated and got boat raced. Rockies won in four games in a best of seven series. But then the reason why I'm bringing this up is not to bring back bad memories. It's because the Red Sox that year went to a very long seven game series. And because of television, there were so many off days that the Rockies seriously had, I don't think I'm making this up, had 10 days before they played another game, before game one of the World Series in Boston. And it, it showed Boston not only swept the Rockies, they destroyed them. And it was clear that the Rockies just had been so out of the, the, the ritual of the game that they weren't back into it mentally until they were down to nothing or so. And then by then it's almost too late. And you can easily see that's what Mookie Betts is thinking. He's not going to comment because he's professional enough not to take away from the Diamondbacks victory. And I think he's professional enough to just acknowledge they got their butt whooped. They don't have, they don't have any reason to talk, but if we weren't cheering for the Diamondbacks, there is a flaw in the system that could ever have three 100 loss teams all getting out so quickly. So the thought process is no series should be five games. Or there should be more home games for somebody. Or maybe if you win 100 games, you get four home games. I I don't know what they want to do. I'm wondering if they're going to look at this and agree that there's a problem and, and create a change. If you win 100 games or if you are, you know, 10 games, 15 games better than the team you're getting ready to play, they lose a home game. Something like that. I, I don't know. Now, the thought process for most people is you should reseed it. And therefore, the Diamondbacks should have won against the Braves. Okay, fine. But even if you reseed it, does that mean the Dodgers don't have a history of choking? Does that mean the Phillies wouldn't be doing the same thing? Phillies are handling the Braves. See what I mean? I don't know if there's a, a great thing. I think baseball screwed up when they went away from the one-game playoff. I think the one that's the biggest issue to me. I don't think that series against the Brewers should have been a three-game series. I think I think that should be a one-game winner-take-all. One-game winner-take-all, just like how it used to be. Because that wild-card one-game winner-take-all, you stole that from the NCAA. The greatest thing about the NCAA tournament is the Thursday and Friday when, you, when it's all chaos and you have no idea what's going to happen. And the ratings of the old 4-5 wild-card game where one team got eliminated in, the first, in their first game of the playoffs drove some people crazy. Oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. You know what's not fair? You whining. What's not fair is having the division winners, the people that earned it, Act, I shouldn't say division winners because the Brewers are a division winner, but the teams that earn the top two seeds, hey, if you don't like it, you earn that seed. Go ahead. Do better. You want to take the regular season seriously? Okay, make it, me, make it mean even more by making some teams do a one-game playoff. And here's what my one-game playoff does for a massive solution to the problem. Then the Dodgers, Braves, Orioles, whoever it is that's the one and two seed, they're not sitting around forever. 
Diamondbacks would have had an off day on Monday. They would have flown to Milwaukee. You got a game on Tuesday. Loser is out. Winner moves on. And then it's only a two day. It's, it's less than an all-star break. It's a two or three day break and right back at it. Instead, the way they did it, the Dodgers first game of the playoffs wasn't until what, Friday? Yeah, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday were their games. So they had five games off. That's And the Diamondbacks are still playing. In fairness, that's not the way baseball should be done. And it shows you that's what happens when a bunch of guys in suits sit around a table and decide this is what we're going to do. I like the conversation. I hope you didn't mind me having it on a day of celebration, but we celebrated first, right? I go, we had 20, 25 minutes of celebration. Now I'm looking at this as a whole because I was really interested in the way Mookie Betts knew I better not answer this or I'm going to get ripped for the rest of my life. But I don't think it's fair. <laughs> That's basically what he said. I don't think it's fair by saying no comment. And I actually agree with him and I don't care. Anything that knocks the Dodgers out of the playoffs is fine by me. But it is true. You did diminish the importance of the regular season by setting it up that way. And now it was fair because everybody knew the rules. Everybody knew how the rules were going to go. And clearly Dave Roberts doesn't do enough in those off days to keep the guys going. You know, what would be really smart to me is your minor leaguers need the work and it's not that long of a trip. I would have taken all of the Dodgers and flown them over to Camelback Float them over to Camelback and have them play their entire minor league team. Whoever just got done, hey, hang around, and we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take Monday off and do nothing, and then we're gonna go to Arizona and we're gonna play on Tuesday, and then we're gonna turn around, we're gonna play Wednesday, and then we're gonna take off Thursday and Friday, and uh, and then we're gonna be ready to go on Saturday. I think that's what you do, but he doesn't have that kind of creativity. The Dodgers, as an organization, don't have that kind of creativity. And, uh, and that's why I'm excited about everything Diamondbacks related. Okay. Uh, coming up next, let me tell you everything about my night and, and, and everything that happened to me, uh, in Orchard Park, New York with the passing of Dale Wolfley, nicknamed Soda Pop, younger brother of my good friend, Ron. That's coming up next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time and they've gotten it right the first time every time and they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies. That means something because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. 
What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Special, two special shout-outs real quick. Uh, one to Sweet Lou. It was really cool. Sweet Lou retweeted the uh, picture that I had sent out with Wolf and me uh, last night in a, in a tweet that I, I sent from the funeral home parking lot before I started uh, trying to drive over to the, uh, um, to the sports bar as quickly as I could. I sent that out, and then that was really neat of, uh, of Sweet Lou to uh, repost it. So Sweet Lou's of Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. If you enjoy this podcast, then and you'll always get to enjoy it for free, then please find a way to play Whirlwind. And if you like Whirlwind, then you better become a Whirlwind Plus member because all you're doing is saving your family money and enjoying your life. How often do you get something like that? Whirlwind Plus is either $34 a month if you're like a seasonal guy, if you're in Phoenix on occasion, then uh, maybe buy three months of it. But if you're if you're thinking about being a regular, you've got to go for the year package. You save $100 versus $34 a month versus $299 a year. And for that $299 a year, you get the lowest rate of the day. So let's say some rates are pretty expensive and then other rates are cheaper. You get the lowest rate that day. That's amazing. You're allowed to book anytime within five days of your tea time. That's incredible. You have your own portal to set things up. Plus, you get 15% discounts at Civlic, which is the restaurant attached. It's their 19th hole. And you get 15% off the pro shop. Well, oh my gosh, you you realize how quickly that's going to add up? If it's $300 and you save 15%, you save 15 bucks every time you go into to Civlic, that's basically a free beer every time that you buy somebody lunch. You get a free beer. <laughs> it's awesome. And it's going to add up. And then, of course, the golf itself. Sometimes you, now this is uh, on occasion. So don't quote me. I thought I was going to save $100. But sometimes you will. Sometimes the savings is up to an astronomical amount. It could be even as much as 60% off certain days. And, uh, and then now it's a mathematical equation how much you save that day because certain days the evening times aren't as much of a savings as the, the morning times and other days it's a dramatic difference and you're paying the cheap rate whenever you're you're getting your uh, tea time so it's really a sweet deal whirlwind plus go to unplugged at whirlwind.com hopefully i didn't say that too fast you know this is doug franz unplugged we'll grab the word unplugged write out the word at at it's not the symbol unplugged at whirlwind.com and there's all the information that i just went over so shout out to sweet lou and i also want to give a shout out today to mikey this was amazing i tried to fight it i did but mikey of bell's nashville kitchen first ever sponsor of the doug and wolf show he um said hey you know tell wolf i tell wolf how, how much it meant to him that, uh, that that we used to wake him up every morning tell him uh my condolences please and uh, and i you know i'd love to buy him lunch sometime i said oh yeah sure and then he goes hey i want to help you out going um i want to pay for the flight like no you're not paying for the flight no and, and then i said and it, jennifer was able to get a cheap flight due to the miles on our credit card so don't worry about it he goes well then i'm paying for the rental car 
And I said, fine, if you can figure out how to get a hold of Jennifer, you knock yourself out. <laughs> and I didn't think he could figure it out. I didn't think he had any idea how to get a hold of Jennifer. All of a sudden, I get a text on the drive home. That's, and by the way, the Apple CarPlay, in the, uh, I've never had Apple CarPlay before. It's not in my Maxima. And so it was in this, I was running a Tacoma of all things. And it was in, oh boy, was that easy to send texts. Boy, was that a lot easier to send texts while driving. Because um, yeah, I wasn't touching the phone. So before any cop gets mad, I wasn't touching the phone. But it worked out really well. And she says, hey, do you know anything about this? Mikey just sent, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? So he basically paid for my rental car. How crazy is that? So I really want to give a shout out to Mikey. It just meant that much to him that I was going to support Wolf. So he paid for the rental car and he didn't do it to get attention. He didn't do it for me to announce it, but, but I was just such a wonderful gesture. And I tried to fight it. I tried to hide from him and, and he figured out a way to do it. So here is, uh, here's everything that happened to me. I think you heard the hilarious. If you didn't, I hope, I think it's worth it to go back and listen to yesterday's Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. But uh, the hilarity of the woman that sat next to me, still one of the funniest stories I've ever had in my life is just so hilarious. Well, then... Um, I, I got on the air. We did the uh, we did unplugged live from the, my hotel room late uh, Wednesday. Or for me, it was kind of late, is what it felt like. But it was um, Wednesday morning, and the show ended at eleven o'clock in the morning Eastern time. So while the uh, CEO Chris was being nice to download it and, and, and upload it at the same time so that I could turn around and download it, I slipped out of the hotel because I didn't bring any pants. And I know that sounds hilarious, but I'm getting fat and none of my pants fit me. So I, I went out and, for the, okay, this is going to be hilarious to you. For the first time in my life, I bought myself clothes. I've never bought myself clothes before. Now, I'm not counting like t-shirts and shorts and, uh, or shoes, uh, when I say t-shirts and shorts, I mean like athletic stuff or like a golf shirt, something like that. When I'm out, oh, you know, I need that. Okay, but bam, like sports apparel, but nothing like real clothes. I've never done it. And before you say, wait, that's got to be impossible. No, my mother bought my clothes until I was about 17 and she she, uh, she just dressed me terribly in my opinion, but you know, it's your mom, you do what you're told. Um, so I, I wore ridiculous stuff through most of school. Then in, um, when I started, uh, in college, I was always semi dating somebody that bought, like I paid for it, but they chose the clothes and then I paid them when they got home or I gave them money, whatever it was. And then I met Jennifer my junior year in college. And then she's bought all my clothes ever since. I've never done this. So I, I drive into a, Jennifer said, go to Kohl's. Uh, okay. So I go to Kohl's. And I just wander around. I, I did a whole lap in the store. Somehow I didn't know, just turn left right when I walk in and there was the men's. So I turned right and then I didn't find it until I got all the way around the store. Then um, I'm, I'm trying to find fat pants and it was very difficult. Found something that I thought was good. I, knew, I came in with the idea of I needed gray or I needed black. And I found gray and black kind of checkered. And I thought, well, that looks kind of cool, I guess. And then, so I went into one changing room and it said, stop, you're not allowed in here. Like there was actually a sign that said, you're not allowed in here. I thought that's the funniest sign I've ever seen. I didn't even know if it was real, like somebody else made it. So I found another dressing room, changed, they fit great. So 
I left, I come back to the hotel, work on the podcast, upload the podcast, then put on uh, a shirt and, uh, and shorts and flips and got in the Tacoma and drove what was supposed to be three hours and 15 minutes to from my hotel to Orchard Park. I was doing really good time and I was set to get there at about in two hours and 45 minutes. And then I hit ridiculous Pennsylvania construction for no reason, just a complete waste of time. Six miles of one lane traffic behind pickup or semi trucks. It was awful. So guess what? It ends up taking me about three hours anyway. So I get there to the, um, the funeral home and uh, I'm, I'm in the shorts and t-shirt. So I'm changing in the car, but remember I just bought these pants. So I'm like going through trying to find all the tags. I'm scared to death. I'm going to walk in um, with one of those stickers or price tags on my pants and look like a total redneck. So I get, I get everything set. I'm dressed and then I come walking in and it was one of those types of funeral homes where there are two viewings going on at the same time. Well, I don't look at the the sign out front. I just walk in to, I walk in and first the guy says, who are you here for? I said, right now I'm here for the bathroom. And he goes, oh, okay. And I, cause I had just driven for three hours. So I, I went to the bathroom. I came back out and no one was there to guide me. And I didn't bother to look at sign, So I just walked in. So I walk in on somebody else's funeral. So I walk up to the casket on this, um, I would say 70 year old woman. I said, that's probably not Dale. And then somebody says, Oh, thank you for coming. I said, Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I I was, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. How's everybody doing? You know, it was expected of course, you know, but you, you know, it's, it's still sad. I said, yes, I know it is. I know it is. Well, um, I know you've got a lot of people. I know you've got a lot of people. And they said, oh, no, please stay. We're going to pray soon. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll try to come back. I like, I don't, <laughs> I just tried to do anything to get away. And then I felt like a jerk because as I walked away, oh, he has to pray. And I would have, I, I could have done that. I don't know why I didn't, but I was just, it's just such in my mind. Hey, get out of this situation. So I walk over and of course there's a sign above another door that says the wolf man. So, uh, it's funny everybody in the family is wolf except to anybody in the family. So nobody in the family ever says wolf. So it was so strange for me to say Ron all the time. Every time I met somebody, I'd have to say, I used to work with Ron. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, it was so weird. I've never said Ron in my life. I've always said wolf. So I, uh, I walk in and I'm, I'm in the area and there is Craig Wolfley. Now, in case you don't know, Craig Wolfley is the oldest brother. Uh, it's five kids, two sis, two two girls, and uh, and then Wolf has his younger brother Dale, and I think one of his sisters. So I think uh, this is off the top of my head. I might be wrong. I think it goes Craig, one of his sisters, Wolf, a sister, and then Dale. But I'd have to ask Wolf if I'm right about that. So um, I come walking in and I look around, and Wolf isn't there. And I hear somebody say, Wolf is in Phoenix. He says, Ron, Ron, Ron's in Phoenix. I, I, I was, I just sat there, not sat there, I was standing and I'm thinking, why didn't I take a second to make sure he was coming? What, what am I doing? 
And I, I, was, I was just froze. And then somebody else said, no, no, no. Ron and his family is flying in today from Phoenix. And I, and I wasn't in this conversation, but I hear that. And I go, okay. And then I realized I beat Wolf to the viewing of his own brother. <laughs> now that made me laugh. And it was so funny because I was thinking about Wolf, of course, the whole day. Here's an example. Maybe you never listened to the old show and you don't know this, but Wolf and I, and we were not faking by the way, but we would get into arguments sometimes about things that other people thought were trivial and ridiculous. But to me and him, they were like life. These were important issues. And one of our arguments, our never ending arguments was the left lane. There are 37 states that even have it on the driver's test that slower traffic needs to keep right. Wolf's belief was that if it's a two-lane highway, that the left lane is the passing lane. But if it's a multiple-lane highway, you can be in any lane you want, and you don't have to move over for anybody. And that used to drive me crazy, because not only is that inconsiderate, that's against the law. And here I am driving through Ohio, multiple lane roads, uh, interstate, and there are signs everywhere that say, slower traffic, please keep right. Only move left to pass. Only move left to pass. And I'm like, I wanted to pull over on the interstate and take a picture of myself, do a selfie in front of the sign, say, see, Wolf, see? Well, here's where this gets funny. When we get, when I get to that Pennsylvania, I mentioned the bad uh, construction that was going on in Pennsylvania. Wolf and I also argued about the merge point. And to me, when the sign says lane ends in two miles, lane ends in one mile, whatever, get over as soon as you can. If we all just get over soon, we don't have to stop. We don't have to stop. You don't have to slow down. And then that one idiot that tries to pass everybody at the last second and then go diving in. Now everybody has to slam on their brakes. Like any of you, have you ever gone down the, the, the 17? You're going down the 17 and some Yahoo wants to go westbound on the 10. So you've been in the right lane for a mile and a half. And then this guy comes screaming down the left side, which is intended to stay on the 17 and go under the stack and head over um around the loop and then this guy comes diving across the eastbound 10 two lane exit and slams into our exit trying to cut somebody off i hate that and yet wolf always argued at construction for the merge point saying that if you just barely slow down and everybody takes a turn where it goes center lane, right lane, center lane, right lane, center lane, right lane. You'll all merge together at the merge point. And then you, instead of creating this long line of backup behind it with one lane that's wide open, he says, there's a reason why traffic is blocked off where it is because that's where they want you to merge. It's still going to be before actual human beings are up there working on something. So therefore, wait till you get up to when the lane is starting to be condensed and then everybody take turns. I think I still think he's wrong. But what's funny is there's a sign that says, stay in your lane. Don't merge till the merge point. So here I am laughing because part of my drive is proving me right on one of those age-old arguments from the old show. And part of the drive is proving him right. And then here I am coming to see him. So that just, it was like why he was on my mind all the time. Now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's not here. Okay, good. Thank goodness he's coming. 
So all of these things are playing through uh, my head. And then I, um, I get in and I see Craig. So I've never met Craig at all in my life. He is the color analyst for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played on the offensive line for the Steelers for 11 years. And then I, I forget, I think he, he played one more year for somebody else. I don't remember where it was. So he played, uh, I believe, 12 years in the NFL and 11 of those years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he is, he's bigger than Wolf in, in Pittsburgh. I, I mean, he's been on the air forever. He's had a show there forever, heavily involved in charitable. I mean, he's, he is amazing. So he's there and I walk right up to him. And uh, as soon as he's done with the conversation with somebody else and I say, Craig, I've never met you after all of these years. It's great to finally see you. I'm Doug Franz. And Craig has over the phone always told me I'm like a brother because of the way Wolf feels about me. And because of, I, I, I say this very carefully. I, this is almost from the the mouth of Wolf, not from me, but Wolf had a lot of failed radio shows until Doug and Wolf. And he, even when we started, he said, I give this 18 months. It's like, <laughs> think about that. You just meet this guy. He's your new partner. You're spent, you've moved your whole family a thousand miles away, 1500 miles from home. And then the guy says, I give this 18 months. <laughs> That's what he told me from the beginning. We go 15 years. Well, Craig has always said, I'm in the family even though we've never met because of what I did to help Wolf and radio and because of the times Craig would come on and, and his family would listen online. So everybody in the family felt like they knew me, like I really was a brother in the family. So here I am so thrilled to be able to say I'm Doug Franz to Craig. And he just goes, Doug, it's just, it's just really great to meet you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. And then he moves on to somebody else. <laughs> he, had, he had no idea who I was. None. I'm like, well, okay. So I just found out Wolf might not be coming. I'm now just met Craig and he has no idea who I am. Okay. I'm glad I spent the money. I'm glad I'm here. Hey, thanks for renting me that car, Mikey. So I, I can't imagine how I'm going to explain all this to Jennifer that I thought that this was that important and nobody has any idea what's going on. So uh, a little bit later, this woman comes up to me. Now, keep in mind, I have heard amazing stories about Wolf's mom. And everyone calls her Hoopy. No one says mom. No, nobody calls her by her first name. And to be quite blunt, now that I sit here, I'm very embarrassed to say I can't even remember her first name because it has been Hoopy, Hoopy, Hoopy has been drilled into my head that her name's Hoopy. So, okay. So she comes walking up to me and I'm in this terribly confused state. And she says, hi, who are you? And I said, I'm Doug. And she goes, Doug, it's nice to meet you. How do you know Dale? And I said, I don't. And then she just point blank says, then why are you here? And, and I said, I, I wanted to say, I don't know. Cause I was like, so, so thrown about who, what have I done by being here? And I just said, and, and I couldn't say, I don't know. So then I just blurted out one of my smart aleck answers. And I said, Oh, I'm here for the cookies. And she didn't know how to take that at all. <laughs> she goes, Oh, okay. Okay. And then she started to take me serious. Like I was like, I was some kind of funeral crasher or something like that. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I worked for a long time with Dale's brother. I'm a friend of Ron's. And she goes in Phoenix. And I said, yeah, yeah. 
And she says, you came all the way here? Yeah, yeah. Well, how, how do you know Ron? And I said, we, we worked on in, uh, we worked together for a long time. She said, what's your name again? And I said, I'm Doug Franz. And she really looked at me with kind of a space cadet look that, that was, I'm supposed to know what that name means, and I don't. That's what, the, that's what it meant to me. And I said, Hoopy, I'm Doug from Doug and Wolf. And she, she lost it. I mean, she literally lost it. As soon as I said Doug and Wolf, she started crying like crazy. And, and, and the woman, seriously, she comes up to about, she's, she's shorter than my sternum. Okay. She's like rib cage high. And she just grabs me and yanks me forward into this almost violent hug. And she says, Doug, I can't, Doug, I feel like I know you, Doug. It's like you're my own son. And I started bawling when she said that. And I mean, I, I, like, I never thought I was going to cry. I lost it when she said that. And so here's a woman burying her son. And then she says that to some stranger she's never met, hugs me about four or five times. And then she goes, is it really you? <laughs> And I'm like, I said, Hoopy, who makes that up? Who who comes into a funeral and says, I'm, I'm Doug from Doug and Wolf. Okay. Nobody says that. Yes, it's me. She goes, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. And she hugs me again. And we talk for a long time about Dale. And I got to tell you, if I had never seen Wolf after the embrace I got from Hoopy, I would have been fine. It made that alone made the whole trip worth it. It was so special, so special. So now I know no one else. I know nobody else at all. And then I just go sit in a chair. So I'm sitting in the back corner of the room. Dale is in the casket up in the front of the room. Of course, I'm pointing right now. And it's kind of a longer room. You've probably been in millions of, of funeral homes. And then I'm sitting right next to a television that is doing the long loop of pictures of Dale. And there's one picture of Dale and his kids and one of his kids. I don't know whether it's Stone or Maverick. Yes, that's their names. Um, One of the kids is in a Fushaw t-shirt, which just made me lose it to see that. And um, I see Wolf and Stephanie come walking in, the beautiful Miss Stephanie. And they come walking into the room. And immediately Wolf is bombarded by a bunch of people. Stephanie's bombarded. And I I don't get up from the chair because I'm not there to be seen. You know what I mean? I mean, of course, I want to say hi to Wolf. That's why I'm here to let him know I care this much. But it's not about a Doug and Wolf reunion, you know? One of the things that's amazing about this family, I never thought the day would come where I would ever be at a viewing louder than a viewing with my family. The Franz family viewings are hilarious. Okay, I'm sorry. We, we just, we got to laugh. Okay, we cried before you got there. But now we're going to laugh. And we're, you've heard we're going to have a celebration of life. No, no, no. We, we always celebrate life. So we're loud joking, blah, blah, blah. Uncle Dan's being funny. Aunt Pat's laughing at everybody's jokes. And her laugh is so loud and contagious. She's just, oh, there's Aunt Pat. You know, and the family's hilarious. We're all laughing. And then at some point, Amy gets the giggles. And Amy starts laughing about a bunch of stuff. And that's always funny. And then Stacy makes one small little comment. My brother says something absolutely hilarious, but nobody hears it. 
and, and that's 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 now you've just been to a Franz family viewing. There's no way anybody's more gregarious and louder than us. We don't hold a candle to the Wolfleys. Oh my gosh. Here's Craig holding court with all of these people that come in, old high school football buddies, college football buddies. So he's got one corner. Everybody wants to see little Ronnie Paul. That's what they call Wolf is Ronnie. They want to see him because he hasn't he doesn't get up to Orchard Park very often. So there's all these people coming to see him. And and then you got all everybody's got so many nieces and nephews. There are so many hoopy grandkids that are running around. So it's it's an amazing scene uh, of laughter and caring and love. And it's so bad that remember when I walked into the other view, the other viewing, <laughs> they shut their door. Have you, come on, come on. Have you ever been to a viewing in your life where somebody shuts the door? <laughs> it was awesome. I thought it was so funny that they shut their door. Like, hey, neighbors, calm down, quiet down. Oh my gosh, they didn't say that, but it's but that's what they were saying by shutting the door because the few, their their viewing wasn't over, and yet you know, they're tired of it. So, Wolf and Stephanie come walking in, and they get bombarded by other people, so they don't see me. And I, I got there Eastern time at about. 4.30, 4.40, something like that. But of course, it took me 15 minutes to change clothes in the truck. So I, by the time I got out of the, the wrong person's viewing and got over, it was probably about five o'clock. Talked to Hoopy and Craig between five and 5.45. Wolf still wasn't there. And I'm just sitting in the corner. And it's probably about 6.15. So I've been there that long. And the beautiful Miss Stephanie comes walking around a group of people and is heading towards me. And as soon as she got kind of close, I, I just said, hi, Stephanie. And she, it was, it was the look of shock and horror. Like the person in front of me can't possibly be the person in front of me because that's Doug. And there's no way Doug is in Orchard Park. I mean, that, that's what that whole thing. And she's like, what, 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 what? And she just like tried to get the word what out four or five times and then hugged me and finally said, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I, I, I'm here at, at Dale's viewing. And she, well, I, I know. I went, oh my gosh. Does Ron know you're here? I said, no. Oh my gosh. And what's so weird again is I wanted to say wolf. But if you say the word wolf, everybody turns to look at you. So you're not trying to call 50 people. So you got to say run. And as she's freaking out, wolf, you know, the way he is by listening to the old show all those years, the warrior queen mentality comes out in him and he thinks he has to defend his bride all these years later. There's some guy in the corner talking to his wife and he immediately has the bird's eye and he comes, he looks and then in the middle of his conversation with somebody, he just stops and goes, oh, 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 and he's like totally wolf speechless is, is always a sight to behold. And it, and his arms go up in the air and then they go on his forehead. And like this guy, I think this guy was wondering whatever he's talking about is not as entertaining as wolf's reaction to what he's talking about. So I think the guy, whoever wolf was talking to is thinking, wow, wolf loves my story. <laughs> and wolf is just going crazy going crazy and staying in that same position 
And finally, he puts his arm on the guy's shoulder. And I know this look from Wolf. It says, whatever you're saying, I've totally checked out of this conversation, but I'm really glad to see you. And trust me, whoever that dude was, Wolf has done that to me a million times. I, I, know, I know what the look meant. And he came walking over and said, Doug, what? Doug, what are you? And he never calls me Doug. So you know it was shocking. Doug, what are you? What is? Oh my God, my mind is blown. My mind is blown. And then he starts like reacting like he's on air with me. But it's so genuine. So very, very hearty handshake. Deep hug. And then... You know, I, I've already cried with Hoopy, okay, when she said that to me, but now I'm fine. And Wolf starts crying at seeing me. Now Wolf is crying. And we used to, him and I used to cry all the time at PCH, but we didn't cry any other, th- just PCH always. And then other than that, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're like emotional dudes, but we want to outrock each other, you know, and be a rock. So we don't show a lot of emotion. Well, he's crying now, and I'm, I'm the rock, okay? And then Wolf is talking a little bit longer. And then, and then somebody says something, Hey Ron. And I said, go, I'm, I'm not here to be seen. You, you, you've got time to talk to me later. Go. And he goes, okay, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be back. I said, I know you'll be back. And then he goes, this, this is who you are. I should have known. This is who you are. And then walked away. When he said this, I'm getting emotional now. When he said, this is who you are, that, that got to me because you think about all the arguments Wolf and I got into all the disagreements. And I don't know if he knows this, but so many of the disagreements we got into are basically because I wanted his respect a lot of people don't understand Wolf. A lot of people think Wolf is a Cardinals homer. He's not. He's a homer for everybody in the arena. He's a homer for the doers. He's a homer for the coaches that put that much time into it. He's a homer for the scouts, the GM, the players. And it was something that was very difficult for him to ever accept. And he shouldn't have to a lot. He's run into a lot of dumb fans, let's face it. And being a talk show host too, a lot of dumb callers, a lot of people with bad opinions. And sometimes he's fallen into the trap that, you know, all of the people in the game know more than all of the people watching the game. And it, it, it was difficult for him to accept that somebody like me could work that hard to get to know the game well enough to be critical. Keep in mind when I'm telling you this, I'm probably right 70 to 80% of the time. That's a lot, but it's not enough compared to those guys. Cause if you really think about it, as much as we like to rip coaches or umpires or players or things like that, they wouldn't be in the spot they're in if they weren't right about 90 or 95% of the time. So just because I'm right some of the time, I'm not right as much as they are. So it took, a, it, it was something that was very difficult for him. And yet the arguments are in a sense, him not wanting to accept somebody outside the arena could be right in their criticism. And yet I am furious because uh, on the one hand, I think I'm defending you as all of us fans 
Like, yes, we can be right, but I also respect him so much. I want that gratification. And I'm not the person that just accepts, oh, I didn't get it. Okay, I'll move on. No. If I don't respect you, it's kind of easy for me to ignore you. But if I respect you, I'm not going to stop until I get the gratification of knowing I've earned your respect. So when Wolf vehemently disagreed with my opinions, then I'm vehemently going after his until he sees it my way. And now you've got two bullheads going at it. Now, keep in mind, it made great radio, didn't it? Yeah. That's why none of our arguments were fake because I love and respected him that much that I wanted him to see. I know what I'm talking about. I wanted to prove myself to him. And he, on the other hand, knew how hard I worked, greatly respected my work ethic, but anything I said ran counter to his entire belief system of how many times he's heard other people be wrong and, and how hard it is to become a professional athlete and how hard it is for the rest of us to understand what it's like. I mean, just to even remotely compare, what is it that you do? Okay. Let's say, let's say you're a welder. Okay. Imagine how hard it is to weld if somebody else is trying to weld next to you and set your hand on fire, (laughs) okay? When we talk about competition, their version of competition is so different than our version of competition. If you're a welder and you're competing against another welder, that welder might be at the other side of the building. That welder might be on another building and you're trying to get your building, whatever it might be. But he's not welding the same thing you're welding and you're fighting to have your weld better at the same time. It's a little dangerous. In most competitions, there's another human being and sometimes an entire organization of people built around making sure you fail and their guy succeeds. And Wolf is a guy trying not to fail. And then when he does fail, he doesn't really have a lot of love and respect for people like me that sit in a chair and go, hey, you failed on that block. Okay, do you know how hard it is? It doesn't matter what I know. You failed. I can see that you failed. Okay, yes, I failed. But do you have any, hey. Don't tell me how, how hard, how rough the sea was. Did you bring the ship in? No, you didn't. You failed. And that it wasn't a shtick. I always joked the first six months of our show was terrible because it never got good until we both realized the other one's wrong. <laughs> we, we kept trying to help each other along, try to understand why you're wrong instead of just argue about it and have it out like men and then move on. So sitting there talking with him, it was wonderful. It was, it was one of the great, great joys of my life after he had bounced around, met a bunch of people or re-met a bunch of people. I was thrilled to meet Stone and Maverick, who are Dale's sons that I have never known, but I've, I, I can't tell you the greatness of those commercial breaks all those years. Think about it. We're in that little room for four hours a day. And at almost every commercial break, we stop talking sports. You know, the first thing that happens in a commercial break is Wolf gets up and walks around. He would get up and walk around. And I would talk to Yoda about what are we going to do next? How are we planning this out? Where are we going to go? And then we would have different plans for a plan. Okay, if Wolf goes here, we kind of anticipated Wolf. He might do this. He might go here. He might go here. He might go here. And if he did D, then we were just along for the ride. We never knew. 
what was about to happen. But then when Wolf would come back in and we would talk about our families and you never knew, would it be Lieutenant Kyle, who is high up ranking in the United States Armed Services? God bless you, Kyle. Thank you for our freedom. Would it be Maverick and Stone and what they're doing on the football field? Would it be an old friend? Would it be a story about Craig at Syracuse? Would it be, you, know, you never knew what we were talking about during the break. And it was always family related. And since our, since the breakup of the show, I don't want to say separation. They separated us. We didn't want to be separated. Um, I don't know what's going on in Savannah's life. I don't know what's going on in Vetter James's life. And it's been, it was such a beautiful day for me because I had a long talk with Stephanie about, about my kids, the beautiful Miss Stephanie, about my kids, about their kids and, and, and learning so much that's going on in the family. And, uh, my embarrassment that I'm now fatter than Wolf. Wolf has lost a lot of weight. I'm not happy about that. Um, I'm like, he doesn't, that's not something to compete in, but uh, now I've got to lose the weight. I mean, it was overwhelming how small Wolf looked. It was just so weird. Where are your necks, Wolf? I was like, I, I couldn't get, I didn't want him to know this, but I couldn't get over where, what happened to your necks. I, I, it's so weird. Well, why do you only have one neck now? Um, but we, at the, near the end, at about eight o'clock, eight fifteen, most of his rounds of meeting with people were over and we, we just stood there and, and talked for a long time and you could tell I think I think we took it for granted I think we took it for granted that we'd be there forever. Like we knew it was going to end and we always joked about the end. And I don't take that back. We always joked about the end. We knew the station was going to fire. You know, he always argued they were going to fire him. I always knew that they were going to fire me because they never would have the courage to fire somebody that worked for the Cardinals. They need the Cardinals desperately. And Wolf is just such a great guy. I mean, he is, he's a great guy. Um, so I knew it would always be me and I could feel the conniving that was going on behind the scenes, never by Wolf. Wolf never had any idea the things that were being plotted behind our backs that I, I could tell and I knew about. But at the same time, as you're looking, I hope I can teach you something here tonight. I say tonight because it's 2.30 in the morning right now and I got to get up here in a couple hours. But I hope you learn that when you're in life, live it whether it be because of Dale dying in his sleep, having no idea that that was his last day on earth. For Wolf and I always looking at the finish line, knowing in our opinions, one of us was going to get axed, but not just being thrilled. We're here right now. We're here right now. Let's make this show great. Now, I was still driven to make every show great, but sometimes I think I was driven to make the show great to prove to the people with knives in their hands to put the knife down instead of just being great because I love Wolf. Just be great because I love my wife, my kids, and, and you for listening. Be great for those people versus being great to prove something wrong, someone wrong. And you know, it's funny. Wolf's going to shoot me in the head for telling you this. Wolf told me point blank, Doug, I can't believe how many times you were right. And I never saw it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? All the arguments we got into it. He's like, you know, I, I never saw that you were right. 
But there's one thing that he always said, and I always kind of dismissed it. And he always talked about quit being the athlete that tries to prove people wrong. Be the person that proves themselves right. Don't be motivated by the naysayers because either you're going to prove them right and then you've accomplished nothing. Or you are going to prove them wrong when you make it and then you've got no, no, there's nothing else left. You've made it. You showed them that they were wrong, but if that was your motivating driving force, now that you've proved them wrong, now what? You've got nothing. If it's always about your belief in yourself and going out there to fight for your family and to prove yourself right, that never leaves you. And I used to have that. And I, I, I do feel like maybe the last two or three years when a lot of decisions were going against me, when I said, I want to do it this way, and they said, no, we want to do it this way. I, I, I wanted to prove them wrong about me that we don't have to do whatever it is that you want to do. And instead of proving us right on the show, this was supposed to be about Wolf and I didn't, I didn't mean to open it up so much myself, but it was, we were both kind of on display. It was kind of weird. We're in the back of a funeral home and nobody knew whether the two of us were just having this amazing conversation about ourselves and about, you know, well, I'll say it, you know, how much we'd like to be together again. I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen. I would love for it to happen. Um, but that's not my call. You know, that's your call in a sense as a listener, if you'd ever want that and you, you push different, you know, agencies to try to put us together, but also that's more of a God thing, you know, I mean, what's best for my kids, what's best for Wolf's kids, what's best for his schedule, what's best for mine, you know, who knows, because we've both been forced to go in different directions, but there was something there last night that was clear Well, to me tonight, but to you last night that, uh, him and I need to get together as just two people. Well, this podcast has lasted way too long. I was going to just talk to you for a couple minutes, but I was so excited about the Diamondbacks. The Mookie Betts thing kind of got to me a little bit. And then, uh, of course, uh, talking a lot more about Wolf than I, uh, than I had expected. I hope I did okay today. Hopefully you uh, you enjoyed this weird moment of Doug Franz unplugged, kind of going back to the old way when I just used to sit in the in Jennifer's office in the middle of the night and just start talking. And who knew what was going to come out and when it was over? Thanks for being a member of the Unplugged Army, and um, thanks for being my friend. I appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow. Burrito Express started with my father about. 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now.